What's up? Welcome to the Gathering Strength Podcast, the podcast that empowers you to overcome obstacles, embrace resilience, and unlock your true potential. Join me as I dive into stories of triumph, interviewing inspiring individuals, and I share practical strategies for personal growth and development. Get ready to gather your strength, ignite your inner power, and embark on a transformative journey. Get ready to thrive. This is Gathering Strength. Over here at the Gathering Strength, man, I want you to have the buff body, buff mind, buff spirit, and buff bank. Life is gonna be tough, so you better have a strong back. Today, I'm gonna be talking about mentors. While our family members can provide valuable guidance and support, a mentor outside of our family can offer a unique perspective and unbiased advice. The advice that we get from our crazy cousins and our Uncle Pookie, who has just been released out of the penitentiary for his second time, and you know, there might be some nuggets of wisdom in there that can make you a little bit tougher, a little bit more street smart, we're going to need to look outside of our family members because we want to study and get wisdom from the greats. And we don't need to look any further than going online and Googling some people who have been there and who have done that. Now, the good thing about living in today's age is that all of the greats have their work online. While our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and our sisters, they are going to be great people. In many cases, a lot of them are going to love us unconditionally. But their knowledge is only so limited. Like, we're not going to go and ask our brother how to become a millionaire if that guy is in debt. We're not going to ask our mother how to get into shape when she's obese and overweight. And we're not going to get relationship advice from our single 40-year-old uncle who still lives at home. We're going to be surrounded by a lot of people who are mediocre who can't even solve their own problems, but hey, they are going to be attempting to give us advice on how to live our lives. And your boy Ruby Rube wants you to buck that traditional norm and go straight to the sources of the people who are creating the most fundamental works that can be applied to anybody. When you find someone, a mentor that is outside of your family, they'll bring fresh insights, diverse experiences, and specialized knowledge that may be lacking within our immediate circle. A mentor from outside our family can provide an objective viewpoint, challenging our assumptions, and expose us to new opportunities. They can also offer a broader network of connections, opening doors to different resources and perspectives. A mentor outside of our family expands our horizons and helps us grow beyond the familiar confines of our immediate environment. Like, for example, I had a jailbird of an uncle, 
And if I wanted to learn how to improve my my street life, my jailbird mentality, then that would be a, a great guy to go to for that type of advice. If I wanted to hone my thieving capabilities, my deceiving characteristics and qualities, hey, he might be able to, to teach me a thing or two. But within all of the malarkey and nonsense that a jailbird can potentially teach somebody, there are some nuggets. You know, street smarts is something that can't be bought. You have to go out and get into fights and go push your way around and figure some things out. While that might be valuable out on the streets, you know, when it comes to advancing your career, gaining clarity in your life and moving in a direction that is that has less friction, you know, we're going to need to be able to sort through the positive and the negative. Now, our mentors, they, they don't even need to be alive these days. All of the great people who have ever entered into this world, their work is online for us to study. We don't need to rely on the people who are in our immediate world these days to amplify our intelligence, to help us, you know, sort out the chaos within our lives. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever obtained for myself came from Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is considered to be the most successful investor ever. And the nugget of wisdom that I obtained from him was a simple quote. And Warren Buffett said, the best investment that he ever made was within himself. Now, when I heard that, I was like, I felt like Keanu Reeves' character from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. When I heard that quote, I was like, whoa. Now, here we have the the most successful investor of all time saying that the best investment that he ever made was within himself. Now, what type of investments can we make within ourselves? You can invest in your health. You can invest in your relationships. You can invest in your intelligent growth. You can invest in acquiring new knowledge, amplifying your intelligence. Now, what's that going to do for you when you invest in yourself? That's just going to make you an overall better person. Now, one of the many ways we can invest in ourselves is prioritizing personal growth and development. Start by identifying your goals and passions. If you have no goals and you have no passions, you just need to sit with yourself a little bit longer. Go experience some things. Go learn about the world. And then, you know, the universe is just going to reveal itself to you. And then you can start to set some goals. And your goals don't need to be big, huge, lofty. You can start with small daily goals. Doing something small every single day consistently is going to add up to big results over time. Next thing we're going to need to do to invest in ourselves is allocate some time and resources to self-education. You know, you're going to need to listen to some podcasts such as 
gathering strength. You're going to need to listen to some audiobooks, some motivational YouTube videos. You know, go even go on to YouTube and Google, um, let's see, Kobe Bryant's, some, some of his motivational speeches. And if that doesn't light a fire under your booty, and I don't know, you might need to check your pulse because you could potentially be dead. Now, after we self-educate ourselves, we're going to need to um, build some skills and we're going to need to take care of ourselves. For example, getting some sleep, you know, getting adequate rest so that when we wake up, we have the energy and the tenacity and the vigor to dig deep into something. We're going to need to seek mentors or coaches, read books, attend workshops, and engage in activities that align with our aspirations. I know, all that stuff's hard, right? After all, we have another episode of I Love Lucy to watch. We have more Jerry Springer to tune into. And we need to get to the the highest level of Angry Birds. You know, there's going to be so many little tiny distractions that have a low value that are going to keep you from manifesting the best version of yourself. Because there's so many distractions, you're going to need to embrace challenges. That's going to be a little challenge. The best version of yourself is going to be blocked by Sour Patch Kids. The healthier version of yourself is going to be blocked by more cake, more donuts, more beers, more blunts, more bong hits. The best version of yourself is going to be prevented from coming into fruition because all of the sweets, candies, nonsense, inadequate sleep, those were the obstacles that prevented you from manifesting your greater self. So we need to embrace all of those little challenges. And I want to even consider, you know, some of the quote unquote sacrifices that we make, such as sacrificing superfluous sweets and beers and blunts and bongs and cocaine and heroin. I want to even consider those as sacrifices. What you're going to need to do is upgrade your choices, upgrade all of your daily habits. You're going to need to cultivate a growth mindset and continually push your limits. Now, when you do not continually push your limits, that means you live in the comfort zone. Now, in the comfort zone, that's where we ironically wear our gym gear to sit on the couch in silent misery, right? Essentially just living the same day over and over, never striving for something that is better. You know, there is a fine line between being happy and content with who you are and what you have. And that's something that I encourage. Hey, be content with who you are and what you have. But at the same time, continually strive for what's better. And Warren Buffett, he says, the greatest investor of all time, the best investment you can make is within yourself. Another fantastic quote that Warren Buffett said was, the more you learn, the more you earn. Now check this out. Within the word learn is the word earn. L 
E-A-R-N. Man, how weird is that? The more you learn, the more you earn. So what have you learned lately? What you have learned lately or lack thereof? Hey, look at your pockets. Do you have, do you have deeper pockets? Do you have more money? We are in the month of June. So it's a good time to take inventory of your finances because if you have done it right, you should have more money, more assets, more dividends rolling in month after month, and you should have less expenses. Those debts should have been paid off, or at least a large chunk should have been um, paid off. If you look at yourself and, you know, six months have gone by and you are more out of shape, hey, you're going the wrong direction. (laughs) Hey, turn around. Do the opposite of what you're doing. If you have less money and you're more out of shape, hey, don't fret. It's all right. We just have identified what doesn't work. And currently what you're doing doesn't work. You're going to need to do the opposite of everything that you've just done. Or, hey, just keep keep doing what you're doing. Whatever. I don't care. For those people who are strong enough and willing to face their weaknesses and inadequacies, hey, you've tuned into the right podcast, Gathering Strength. Your boy, Ruby Ruby, is going to help you get to where you need to go. Now, my version of success is going to be different from your version of success. There's still the underlying things that are going to be applicable to you and applicable to me and applicable to the person next to you and to all the people in the future. And fundamentally, what that boils down to is sacrificing a low value task that is going to immediately gratify you and give you that dopamine hit right now and putting in some work that is a little bit harder. Like I said, it doesn't need to be these high lofty goals, but it needs to be a little bit harder to where a higher value goal is obtained a little bit later down in the future. Now, When you start to break it down even more, the harder something is and the further it is down in the future, that means the greater reward. And as you get stronger and more disciplined and more determined and as that indomitable spirit continually continually grows, hey, there's nothing going to be able to stop you. Now, I am slowly approaching 100 podcast episodes, and throughout my catalog, I have introduced to you some of my mentors. For example, Marcus Aurelius. Who's Marcus Aurelius? Oh, hey, glad you asked. You're going to learn today, so man, bust out that writing utensil and take some notes. Not from me, from your boy Marcus Aurelius. He was a Roman emperor who ruled from 161 to 180 AD, damn near 2,000 years ago. He is best known for his philosophical reflections compiled in a book called Meditations. 
as a Stoic philosopher, Aurelius explored topics such as self-discipline, virtue, and the nature of the universe. His writings offer practical advice on how to live a virtuous and fulfilling life amidst the challenges of the world. Today, Marcus Aurelius is revered for his wisdom and his contributions to Stoic philosophy. Now, I don't need to say that Marcus Aurelius is dead, because we all know that there's nobody walking on this earth that is 2,000 years old. But that doesn't stop me from learning from him. Now, he has a bunch of profound journal entries that contain a lot of golden nuggets of wisdom. And one of his most, his most, whatchamacallit, influential, famous philosophical quotes is simply this. The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Now that is fascinating to me because I've heard that day one my whole entire life and I thought it was a bunch of malarkey like yeah all right yes I have the control okay I'm in control of this and that and yada yada and it didn't resonate with me then because I didn't have the maturity level the life experience or no examples to pull from I was essentially a blind idiot Now, as time moved forward and as time marched on and I gained, you know, those hard lessons in life, that quote, it resonated with me because here we have a man saying that over 2,000 years ago. So it made me reflect on all of the people who I've ever heard say something with a similar sentiment. I was like, wow, man, this guy said that 2,000 years ago and it's still being said today. So, hmm, I might need to chew on this for a little bit and do a little bit more research into the quality of my thoughts. Because ultimately, the quality of my thoughts is depicting the quality of my life. And at that time, the quality of my life, even though I had all of the societal benchmark attributes that pertain to success, I was still tormenting myself needlessly. I was being robbed of my joy. Despite having all of the material possessions, I had the Gucci belts. I had the Gucci socks. I had the whole Gucci outfit from top to bottom. But I was still angry and frustrated. Now with the combination of Warren Buffett's quote bouncing around in my head and a little bit of Marcus Aurelius bouncing in around in my head. I have some other mentors that I'm going to introduce to you right now who have helped me greatly. Another mentor of mine is the Apostle Paul. Now the Apostle Paul, he's a biblical figure. And one of the quotes from the Apostle Paul that addresses the struggle of doing the wrong thing when he knows he shouldn't is found in Romans 7.15. Now within that scripture it says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. 
Now, this verse reflects Paul's acknowledgement of the internal conflict between his desire and following God's commandments and his tendency to fall into sinful behavior. It highlights the human struggle against our own inclinations and serves as a reminder of the ongoing battle between doing what is right and succumbing to temptation. Now, there I am beating myself up because I, I was doing the, doing the same thing Apostle Paul was, you know, 3,000 years ago. I, find, I found myself doing the thing that I know that I shouldn't be doing and then not doing the thing that I know that I should be doing and I beat myself up over it. Now, I would have those ruminating thoughts be injected into my mind saying things like, man, you know what? You're not worthy. You're never going to get it right. You're never going to figure it out. And I, I would beat myself up over it. Now, you probably do the same thing. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But hey, take inventory. Now, because I found the Apostle Paul and some of his scripture that resonated with me, I was, I was able to find some solace in that because, hey, you, you know what? Whenever I mess up, I know that I'm in good company because even men, biblical figures, have messed up. And if those biblical figure men are messing up, you know, all the way in the past, you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up so much when I do the wrong thing, when I do mess up. That's all right. That is part of the human condition. If you mess up, hey, welcome to the club. Another mentor that I have, and he doesn't even know that I am his apprentice. Jordan Peterson. Man, that is my intellectual role model. And he has expressed numerous quotes that have resonated with me, and it garnered my attention. One of his most famous quotes is simply this, clean your room. This seemingly simple statement has become a symbolic of Peterson's broader message, emphasizing personal responsibility, self-improvement, and the importance of starting with small practical actions to bring order and meaning into one's life. It serves as a metaphorical reminder to address the chaos and disarray within oneself before attempting to change the world. Hey, seems logic, logical enough. How can you manage to go out and do good and change the world when your house or your room and your personal space looks like a damn hoarder lives in there? So before you go out to attempt to change the world, go clean your room. Another mentor of mine is the one and only David Goggins. He's an American ultra-marathon runner, retired Navy SEAL, and motivational speaker. He gained widespread recognition for his extraordinary mental and physical endurance, overcoming adversity and pushing his limits. Goggins' life story is marked by overcoming childhood abuse, obesity, and health challenges to become one of the most accomplished endurance athletes. He has competed numerous ultramarathons, set records, and participated in elite military training. Goggins inspires others through his motivational speaking engagements and his book, Can't Hurt Me, which details his journey of personal transformation and resilience. 
Now, one of his most famous quotes is, when you think you're done, you're only at 40% of what your body is capable of doing. That's just the limit that we put on ourselves. Now, one of the fascinating things that I found about David Goggins, and specifically this 40% quote, is prior to me hearing that quote, you know, I would only run maybe like one or two miles, and I felt like Hercules after that. I felt badass. I didn't know that the human or the average human, the everyday person such as me and you, are capable of pushing our bodies to much more than what we think we are capable of. Now, prior to me hearing this quote, yeah, like I said, I would run one, two miles and feel like Hercules. And then I heard David Goggins say, when you think you're done, you're only at 40% of what your body is capable of doing. So when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And by golly, I was ready to learn. I think I said that quote. When the student is ready to learn, the teacher will appear. Yep, I got it right. And by golly, I was ready to learn. So I put that, I, um, I put David Goggins' philosophical quote to the test. And guess what? And now I'm running marathons. Now I'm running over 100 miles a month. Now I'm doing Ironmans. Now when I had that breakthrough run, I think I, I ran like six miles. And I felt like a whole new realm just opened up for me. I was like, holy moly. By golly, what else can I do? How far can I go? How fast can I run? Because prior to that, I was living in my comfort zone. My brain inadvertently set up limitations for me that, you know, it. my brain didn't want me to push itself too hard because after all our brain wants you know cognitive ease our brain doesn't want us to work too hard it wants us to conserve our energy essentially we are primed to be comfortable entertained and full that is what our primitive mind calls for us to be yeah so seek mentors who are outside of your family because There's other people doing things out there that you don't even know exist. One final mentor of mine who is dead, that lived a long time ago, is this little girl, Anne Frank. And she has a great quote. Well, first of all, if you don't know who Anne Frank is, I'm about to introduce you to her right now. And you can go on to uh, the internet and you can bust out your shovel and your excavator and you can... Learn about her a little bit more. But Anne Frank, she was a Jewish girl who became a symbol of hope and resilience during the Holocaust. Born in Germany in 1929, she and her family moved to Amsterdam to escape Nazi persecution. While in hiding during World War II, Anne wrote a diary that chronicles her thoughts, experiences, and dreams. Tragically, she and her family were eventually discovered and sent to concentration camps. Uh, where Anne died in 1945. Her diary, published as The Diary of a Young Girl, 
provides a poignant and personal account of the human spirit in the face of adversity. One of my favorite quotes that Anne Franks wrote in her journal is, paper is more patient than people. And I don't even know if Anne Frank knew the complexity and the richness and the profundity and the gravitas of that statement. Because essentially what she did, she anthropomorphized paper and gave paper a human characteristic and quality in which she gave paper patience. And patience is a virtue of love, right? Hey, paper loves you. Um, and, you know, so check this out. So as it pertains to journaling and you are writing down your thoughts, you have to keep it real with that journaling. That piece of paper is not going to rush you to say anything that you don't believe true, that you don't believe real. Paper is going to be patient for you to write out and sort out your thoughts and arrange the words that are in your head into a clearly articulate sentence that is structured to convey the most realist the most realist emotion that you have in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul, in your being. So Anne Frank said paper is more patient than people. And by golly, she was she was right. And I am gravitating towards that word by golly, because, hey, I'm almost a 40-year-old man, and I need to start using old-timey words. Even though I am approaching 40 years old, and I don't feel 40, I still feel young AF. No cap. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. If you like what you heard, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe. And until next time, it's onward, always onward.